Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 903 Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you all. Well, it's been a fired up breakfast show, hasn't it? Um, number of topics coming through in there and uh, we're going to carry on that theme uh, because uh, just after 9 o'clock we're going to talk to Jamie Wall, rugby journalist, of course, uh, with a look at that uh, Black Ferns review in depth. So uh, we're going to have around about 20 minutes of that. Uh, and then at 9.32, it's a first for us, we're going to open up the lines for you. Um, you know, there's a lot of feeling coming through. I've read some of the texts that have come into the breakfast uh, show, and uh, a lot of those those guys did not read out uh, for various reasons. Uh, maybe there were time constraints, but maybe them, some of them were a wee bit too sensitive. Uh, but we'll open up the show at 9.32. The lines are designated just for you. Uh, a window there uh, to have a crack and obviously that's uh, the hot point of the day uh, is the review into the Black Ferns. What did you make of it? Uh, what's going to come out of it? Here's a question for you. Would it even have happened if they'd have won in the Northern Hemisphere? Would it even have happened if they'd won in the Northern Hemisphere instead of losing? Uh, I don't know. Would it? Would it to this extent anyway? Uh, uh, we'll have a multi just before 10 o'clock. Uh, Andrew Mulligan, the great Mull's coming into uh, us uh, just after 10 o'clock, busy time for uh, basketball. In fact, this, um, we've just heard Frank Vogel's gone from the Lakers, and uh, I understand that LeBron was going to have a press conference over there at some stage today. That could be big news. So uh, the panel with Mark Watson and Patrick McKendry, they'll have a lot of thoughts on uh, the main topics of the day. I'm sure look forward to that. Maya Jackman, just after 11 o'clock this morning. And Maya, of course, a former football fan. Uh, the football fans lost 2-1 to the Matildas on Friday night. They lost an extra time, really, uh, but they do play again tonight. Uh, that'll be interesting. That game's in Canberra. How close was that game, in essence? 2-1? Did that flatter? Did that flatter the football fans? Now, the way I looked at it, they could have lost by six, but just just me. Uh, maybe we're in a sensitive mood today. Mount Rushmore. It's the Crusaders' turn today. The favourite four, or most influential four, Crusaders. So double eight double three is the text line for that. Uh, and then, of course, we can get on with the show, uh, and we will with the sermon. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Go on, be honest. One minute to go, your team is four behind. You have a penalty, a kickable one, but it won't give you enough points to win the game. So you take the popular option, you kick in the corner and form a line out. You secure the ball, fair means or foul, doesn't seem to matter these days. Form the rolling mall, the drive, and inch your way to the line. Man at the back, secure with the ball to the chest whilst remaining attached to the forward momentum. Finally, after forever it seems, you get enough go for it and another popular term these days and crash over 
the white line to secure an incredibly beautiful five-pointer. You win, my God, ain't the line-out drive an incredibly wondrous thing. Whoever invented it should be knighted. It's the hooker's delight. Well, more often than not, to be fair. Truth is, when the line-out drive suits you and your team can orchestrate it, it's a mighty fine part of the game. Otherwise, it's predictable, boring, ugly and a blight on the game. A game where every bit of legislation introduced these days is about safety or attractiveness and flow or speed of the game. Goodness me, even the 50-22 kick, you know that one when you kick it out and get the ball back, even that is encouraging the odd line-out drive. So, it seems everybody that matters wants it. Shields are won and lost with it, championships decided by it, and who knows, the World Cup soon, it could be a fait accompli, a line-out drive will win that as well. Personally, I think you prefer the old Tony Woodcock line-out version more. We won a World Cup on that piece of genius and deception. That was a beautiful thing. So what are the options? Keep it as it is and assure the predictability. Ban it or at least make it more defendable. Or make it worth three points to bring it into line with the penalty kick for goal. Either way then, the kicker will decide the game. That's called pressure. That's called sport at the highest level. Hell, I don't know what the answer is. Do you? Haven't got cameras, by the way. It is uh, 9.07 here on SENZ, and uh, it's time to look at uh, the uh, big talking point of the day, really. It certainly was on the breakfast show, and that is uh, the public announcement of the findings of the review into the Black Ferns. Uh, quite clearly, uh, the review said uh, they got stuff wrong, um, and fast-tracking the women's game, sparked by a 2021 Instagram post by touring squad member Takura Nata Arangamate, uh, alleging inappropriate comments uh, and language by Glenn Moore. They interviewed 52 players, it seems, management and uh, people associated with the team found major shortcomings in the way the Black Ferns operated and produced 26 recommendations under seven different themes. Well, joining us this morning is uh, Jamie Wall to talk about that. Jamie, good morning to you. What did you make? Uh, first up uh, of the findings. Uh, good morning, Smithy. Um, nice to be the main event this morning. Um, I'd just like yeah. to, before we start, I just want, I just want to uh, kind of quantify this in saying that, you know, it is, this is a, a pretty massive topic that goes uh, well beyond the realms of just a, a rugby team winning and losing and a, and a coach uh, in a player's relationship, like this is quite a quite a big big deal in terms of um, New Zealand rugby and its attitude towards the women's game. Um, I'm obviously I'm not a woman. Uh, I haven't. I never have been. I never. I don't think I ever will be. Um, women's rugby is not something that I can possibly therefore comprehend. Um, as a as a guy who's played rugby, um, it's a completely different environment. Um, for me, it's a you know men's rugby is a, is a hyper masculine environment. Um, that's quite different um, to women's rugby, massively different, in fact. Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm speaking about this uh, from the point of view as a journalist who's covered the Black Ferns for the last five or so years, um, the tour, uh, and you made the point earlier about this tour being, um, I guess, the, 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 the fuse that got lit to where we are today. Um, I, I'm speaking about it in, in terms of there were two journalists that covered that tour, um, Joseph Pearson from Stuff and myself. So, so that's where I'm coming from uh, on this one. Um, obviously, there are a lot of uh, female uh, players and, and people involved in the game who have a much better insight into the actual issues that are discussed in there than me. 
Um, but we're talking about an immediate capacity, so so that's why I'm here today, and that's why I'm talking to you, Smithy. Um, in terms of what I thought about the, the the findings in the report, well, to be honest, as someone who's covered the team, uh, none of it came as a surprise uh, at all. N- none of it really. Um, and we go back to the on-field results of of last year, and even before that tour got underway, uh, back when that schedule got announced, I remember thinking to myself, like, man, they're in, this is going to be really hard uh, for the, for this Blackfence team who, who has a, had a very reduced schedule over the last couple of years, obviously with COVID um, impacting their ability to travel and therefore play anybody. Uh, and so to be given the assignment of playing the two uh, you know, best teams uh, in the world that had had a full schedule of games, uh, seasons uh, under their belts um, was going to be really rough and you know, for, given that the Black Ferns are a team that just sort of you know, pops up uh, generally wins uh, wins World Cups and then sort of disappears out of the public view uh, for a while uh, the results themselves came as a, as a massive shock um, so since then you, you kind of had We've we've kind of had a look into like what's been going on with that team, um, what the the uh, the causes of of such a dramatic drop um, down the ladder uh, have been, and so when this report um, came out and you have a look and and what it's what it said about New Zealand rugby's I guess shortcomings around supporting this team uh, in general, um, yeah, like I said, it's not really a surprise at all. Uh, I, I will say one thing in terms of New Zealand rugby's, I guess, um, situation that it found itself in. I mean, you can look back at uh, in 2019, you know, before the pandemic and everything, and um, we had the World Cup coming up that was supposed to have been last um, October, November, and they had put in place plans uh, for a full schedule um, for the Black Ferns in 2020. There was 13 tests. Uh, confirmed there. Um, COVID obviously ruined all of that. Um, it, it's presumed that Super Rugby Opiki would have gone ahead last year uh, in preparation for for the um, for the World Cup uh, to have happened. And so there were there was a reasonably robust uh, schedule in place uh, for the team to to I guess build on and, and build an elite level uh, team that could defend its World Cup because it was going to be really a big, pretty tough assignment given the amount of resources that England and France are putting into it. Um, what I think is, so, so in, that, in that regard, you can actually turn around and say, well, NZ Rugby did, did, we're at least pointing in the right direction. It's the fact that all of that got kind of tossed in the bin with no plan B when COVID hit it, it, it is the issue uh, that we're kind of facing here. Um, now, it's really easy to look at the Takura Nataringamate situation and and look at it in a really binary fashion in that uh, it's a player that uh, played badly, uh, got dropped, didn't didn't respond to it very well, and has responded in uh, in a public fashion. Um, on the other hand, you can look at it and say, well, there's a coach that didn't treat a player very well, um, and that backlash is, is symptomatic of a of a bad uh, culture within that team. I think the the actual answer to that is, is somewhere kind of in the middle, um, and that's the difficult thing I think uh, is, is going to have to come out of that. And until we get both parties actually speaking about that, it's really hard to actually really get a handle on the 
the, that, that situation between those two individuals. Um, but there's one thing for sure, that uh, no matter what you think about what uh, Takura Arangamata Arangama, uh, did, uh, it has opened up uh, the discussion that we're talking about today. And as painful as it is, it, it has to be a good thing because now we can, I guess, take a look at these, this report um, that's now out in the open, um, that people who don't follow women's rugby are now very, very aware of, and, and, and move forward uh, to a World Cup that's rapidly coming up later on this year. And uh, unless it's going to be an absolute disaster for the Black Ferns, we can all do something to help, help avoid that, that potential uh, outcome. Jamie Wall with us this morning. Look at uh, this uh, report and uh, what will come out of it. Uh, this this uh, is an interesting one for me. Psychological safety and freedom in the Ferns environment. They haven't got it. What, is, what does that mean um, overall? Well, I think that what you've got is a team of athletes who have gone from being essentially club players to being fully professional players in the blink of an eye. Um, it, it happened with men's rugby you know, 27 years ago, um, and now it's happening with women's rugby, and there has to be a real adjustment from essentially going out and playing club footy on a Saturday like the rest of us do and being paid and having these sort of expectations put on you. Um, my, my own take on this is that some of the onus of this has to fall on the players themselves. Like they should know, you know, if they're making this decision to make this a career, then there are certain expectations to be, to be put on them and that uh, professional sport is, is a ruthless game. It's, it's, it is absolutely, um, uh, there's no prisoners uh, taken. And I, I understand why a lot of people are looking at Takura's situation and saying, well, you know, and you're part of my language, like, you're not owed shit here, really. Like, you, 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 you played badly and you got dropped. And now I can understand that. But when you look at it in the context of this is someone who has played most of their career, like the vast majority of their career, uh, off their own bat, you know, basically having to uh, do it amateur styles um, and then be thrust into a position where you are essentially just cut that quickly. I think it's pretty hard not to feel sympathetic towards someone in that position. Um, and I think that a lot of what's in that report is about how the structures were not in place to help people deal with that because she's not just getting dropped from a team that she's been in for many years now. Um, uh, you know, she's lost a job. Uh, and that is, and that's on the back of like one bad day at work. Uh, you know, that is professional sport for sure. But for someone to go from being in a situation where the culture was, you know, to their liking and they were, it felt like they were a valued member of the team to being treated like that, then, then you start to sort of think to yourself, well, okay, maybe this could have been handled a lot better. Uh, one other thing about it is that if you are out there thinking to yourself like, well, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. She's been cut, she's been dropped. Um, that's the way it goes. Why then has that uh, ruthlessness not been extended to the coach as well? Because here, here's mm. some facts for you. The, 
the Black Ferns have now lost six six tests in a row. It's not just the four last year. Um, the the rot actually started uh, way back at the end of 2019. They lost two tests to France back then as well, and that's when the alarm bells really should have started ringing, uh, because it was obvious that there hadn't been much succession planning going on uh, after that last World Cup win. Uh, Glenn Moore has won a World Cup. He's a World Cup winning coach, so you know he's got that on his on his sheet. But then again, so was John Hart. John Hart won a series in South Africa for the first time ever. A couple of years later, they lost five tests in a row and then went on to lose, lose a World Cup. Now, why, if, if she's being treated that ruthlessly, and again, you can have your own opinion on that, and I, you know, I'm not going to... I think it's an entirely healthy debate um, to talk about that. Why then has a coach who's lost six in a row uh, not only been uh, retained uh, in his job, um, but has also, and also, like looking at those tests last year that I've, I've covered, I mean, there were some incredible shortcomings uh, in terms of what that team was doing in terms of game plan and selection uh, that, that more really should be uh, needing to answer to about now. Um, and because of this whole investigation, he hasn't had to talk to the media for, for months. And really, with the World Cup coming up, like, if this was the All Blacks, I mean, look at what's happened to Ian Foster. His whole... He's already having people bang down his door saying he should be losing his job uh, for three test losses last year uh, in the All Blacks. How, how this... If, so, so my point is, if you're going to say that the reality of the situation is that uh, you know, you have to be harsh and players get dropped. Why then is the coach uh, not under the same scrutiny as the players? Okay, uh, well, I'll, I'll come back to you on the Glenn Moore thing and say, hasn't he been, uh, one, perhaps they couldn't sack him, two, um, or, or maybe they could, maybe they couldn't. Here's the other thing. Um, they, haven't they depowered him, though, theoretically, Jamie, by bringing Wayne Smith in? Have they not, you know, really, I mean, when you bring Wayne Smith with all his experience, um, all his brilliance and his record in, you really are, you're not expecting Wayne Smith to come in as an underling, are you? I mean, Wayne Smith has essentially um, been brought in to fix it on the field. No, absolutely not. And you bring up a very good, very good point there, Sonny. Um, and I, you know, reading between the lines, it's quite clear that he's been brought in as a, as a boss, uh, as an overseer. Um, and what it has done is that it kind of allows more uh, a bit of room for an elegant exit, if, if you know what I mean, to use a bit of a, a business uh, term there. Um, like, but I think that we're kind of almost arguing the same point here because mm. this could uh, uh, player um, who is a very big part of the culture. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that because um, she was very much one of the key faces in the Black Ferns documentary that was um, filmed uh, in the lead-up to that to that tour that was on Sky, um, which I think now, uh, when you watch it, um, knowing what we know now is, is an extremely interesting watch, and um, I would I would definitely encourage people to have a look at that because you can really read between the lines on this now. Um, if he has been allowed to retain his, his position as head coach um, and I guess sort of perhaps retain a bit of dignity instead of just being booted out the door, then why was the same, uh, why was the same um, grace not handed to her as well? Uh, that, that, I guess, is, is a big question um, that needs to be answered. And so 
when you talk about the Wayne Smith situation, like, yes, it's a good thing. It's absolutely. I mean, you could argue right now that the, the Black Ferns have a better coaching setup than the All Blacks. Um, it's, but it shows that the way she was treated and the way he's being treated are two different things. And again, this is a very big, broad conversation, which I think a lot of other people are probably are far more qualified to talk about than me. But that is that to me is is a, a fundamental point as to what this report is all about, and not just the report itself, but just the the way that New Zealand rugby has handled women's rugby uh, over its history, and uh, what it needs to look at um, to improve that going forward. Jamie, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure having uh, your input into this. Uh, I, I think it's the kind of subject we could have you on. Uh, for at least an hour, um, but we can't unfortunately because we've got, you know what radio's like, we've got uh, constraints and things and uh, things we'd have to do in the next hour, but hey look, you've given us so much to think about and uh, to talk about I thank you very much for, for that uh, you're obviously very, very clued up on the situation, there's a couple of other lines I was going to ask you about, haven't got time which is a shame but um, uh, maybe next time thank you very much Jamie the, for your input this morning, appreciate it Cheers Matthew, any time mate yeah, cheers, uh, Jamie Wardley out with some in-depth thoughts. Uh, so what we're going to do now is uh, take a break, uh, read out some of the texts that have uh, come in. A lot of them are already about your favourite or most influential Crusaders. Love that. They're easy to do. Uh, but what we're going to do uh, just after 9.30 this morning is open up our phone lines. Our number is 0800 150 811. 0800 uh, Have the courage of your convictions. Uh, a lot of people texted into the breakfast show uh, and uh, had uh, some... Pretty pointed text come in. Ring up. I ask you to ring up. Well, you know, I'm not going to crucify you for ringing me. Honestly, I'd love to have a chat about it. You heard Jamie Wall's uh, thoughts on the whole thing. Just then, you know, there's a lot of listeners out there, judging by the text that we've seen coming in, uh, who have an opinion on it. We would love to hear an opinion on it uh, after 9:30 this morning. So please um, don't hold back. 0800 150 811. We're going to give you a window, and we invite you to climb on through it. It's uh, 9.24 on SENZ. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, and don't forget our show is brought to you with uh, our good friends Polaris, uh, our uh, number one selling side-by-side brand, thousands and thousands of vehicles coming in every month. So get to your local Polaris dealer today. Right, let's look at uh, some of these texts, uh, particularly the ones about the Crusaders. Uh, Smithy, it's easy today, I think. Uh, McCaw, Carter, Marshall and Thorne, that's from Paddy. Thorne, there's an interesting one. That'll spark a, a few de- uh, debates, I'm sure. Uh, Dale's coming. The greatest, McCaw, Carter, Mertens, Marshall, my favourite, Berryman, Vunenbacher, Gear and Maxwell. Norm Maxwell, what a player he was. Uh, Mikey's come in and said, uh, Toddy Blackadder, Richie McCaw, Leon McDonald and the mighty, awesome one and only, Mertz. Uh, the uh, Zades come in. Whitelock, Sam Whitelock, Kieran Reid, Richie McCaw, Dan Carter. There's a bit of quality coming through here, eh, folks? Uh, yeah, to be fair, I think uh, there's some damn fine damn fine rugby players coming through here, uh, and we've probably got about eight or nine in the mix just in those texts as well. And I can tell you, Logan and, and I will be having a crack at this around about 11.40 this morning, and we differ, I can tell you already, we differ from some of those. Now, on the other subject, which is the, the sensitive one, uh, I hope uh, Simon comes uh, uh, on the phone. You've got an opportunity, Simon, if, if you uh, if you want to. Uh, certainly want to uh, text us, which is cool. Love uh, hearing from you. Um, you've come through and said, why is it that uh, 
nothing ever seems to be the players' fault these days, and I, I think that uh, is uh, quite a big uh, part of it. I, I think um, the more, the more, shall we say, things get looked at in this depth, uh, the, the word players uh, tends to, and play and how you play the game tends to get lost in it somewhere along the line. Uh, it's a shame uh, athletes haven't usually had much employment experience in the real world to see how pampered they really are from an employment standout uh, standpoint. Uh, I said uh, I've, I've had a few jobs in my time. That's called business. Uh, comparing two roles, uh, two different roles, is not and is not how employment works, unfortunately. So um, that's an interesting thing because a lot of these things are uh, actually when you become professional become employment issues as well. So. Uh, okay, we're going to go to the news now with Arha, and when we come back, it's your chance uh, to have a crack at the issue of the day. 0800 150 811, the phone number. Nine thirty-three here on SENZ, and I'm looking at an empty board of calls. So uh, obviously, no one's got an opinion on this. It seems to be a massive, massive uh, subject that, that has come through out of. Uh, this Black Ferns inquiry uh, into uh, what's been going on within their group there. There was uh, some interesting phrases that came out of it for me. They need to dismantle current systems and and practices that reflect a Pākehā world view. A Pākehā world view. Gets me a little bit interested, I've got to say. Uh, What about you? Um, Is there any other teams that uh, you've been involved in that uh, you can relate to? Uh, have you been in the Glen Moore shoes as a coach um, and had to deal with these issues? Um, or is it something that we've just uh, glossed over too much uh, in the past? So our n- number here is 0800 Um I know Charlie from uh, Geraldine, you were wanting to talk before 9.30, so uh, give us a call. Um, I've invited uh, Simon to come in, but Simon tells me that he's working with uh, Sky customers as well at the moment, so he's sort of listening to our show and doing his other job at the same time. So, uh, so uh, look, it doesn't appear, uh, we can only give you an opportunity, it doesn't appear that you want to call in on this, which is a shame really because it's a, a pretty deep-seated thing within our systems uh, apparently or is it just our women's sport that affects it? I've just done the uh, Women's Cricket World Cup. There was pressure on players there. Uh, there was pressure on players to perform. Uh, there was no hiding back when it came to analysis on performance from uh, our commentary team, I can promise you that. Uh, there was no glossing over things. Uh, there was no hiding from the fact that uh, our side performed poorly. Uh, the white, form, white Ferns, they knew that. They wanted to desperately make the playoffs. They didn't do it. They lost the big moments. They acknowledged that. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if this is across the board or whether it happens in every women's sporting team or uh, just uh, particularly the Black Ferns at the moment. Uh, Steve has come in uh, with a nice text, uh, Morning Smithy. I feel sorry for Glenn Moore in this situation as well, he prompted as well. You have to remember up until now the players had previously sung his praises. Okay, obviously he has dealt with things as well as he could have. He has spent a large part of his career coaching men and, and possibly hasn't been educated on the fact that women deal with criticism differently. That's where in hindsight someone like Gilbert Anoka could have been brought in to educate him. Uh, on that and also work alongside the players it's all about education uh, that from Steve I uh, really appreciate that Steve would have liked uh, you to uh, ring up and give us a call on that subject as well uh, but that that is that uh, I think that uh, does reflect a, a lot of it uh, from my point of view too 
Uh, and uh, it looks like we do have Charlie calling back, uh, so uh, we'll get Charlie to um, to air very shortly from uh, Geraldine. We've, uh, I've spoken to Charlie before, I think more in a stump smithy type situation, so it'd be nice to hear from him uh, if he's got an opinion on this matter. But uh, anyone, any one of you at all, please, 0800 the window is there. Please, pop in, pop in and uh, just have a say. You're not going to be crucified for it. Um, I might agree with you, I might disagree, and, and that's just fine. That's called talk back. Uh, Charlie from Geraldine has joined us. Hey, Charlie, welcome into the show. Thanks for, for taking the time to call. Just for me, yes. Um, I've been quite vocal about it. I, I don't think he should be. I don't think he should be there. They had the um, um, inquiry into it, and it's quite plain from what you've seen. He's, a little, he's the same age as me, Glenn Moore, he's, and he's, he seems to me like a... Very old school, and I don't think he's got the necessary tools to handle women. Um, it's not. It's not about being sensitive. I think the things about fat shaming and things like that, and the cultural insensitivities. It's it's 2022, mate. You can't have people who have been in that situation still in that situation now after there's been a major inquiry. They should have cleaned their life, been the Rugby World Cup, and get it sorted for the next one. So, Charlie, why do you think they didn't sack Glenn Moore and brought uh, Wayne Smith in? Uh, well, some say over the top, some say underneath. How did you read that situation? Uh, I think they just want to try and win the World Cup, mate. I don't think they give a flying fish about the girls. They might do after the Rugby World Cup if they win it or not. But at the moment, mate, I think they just... And Mark Robinson, I think he's concentrating on winning the Rugby World Cup, mate. I don't think... I think he cares more about winning the World Cup and being upset about beating by England and France than he does about the women. Okay, so when you say winning the World Cup, you mean winning the Women's World Cup or winning the Men's World Cup? The Women's Rugby World Cup. Okay, so um, right, that's interesting for me. I, I get a little bit worried about it when I see this phrase, dismantle current systems and practices that reflect a Pākehā world thing. So the, that, that in, it just sends to me, Charlie, it's not just a... Uh, not just a women thing and not just the way women have been treated as, as such. It's uh, also uh, a little bit of the fact that there's, well, Pākehā has mean the white, the white way of doing things, yeah? Yep, yeah, I get that. And I, I just, uh, I think it, it smells, mate. It smells. I don't think it's been done. They've had an inquiry, but I think the results of the inquiry, there should have been a lot more done than has been done. And to have the same bloke in charge... I don't know him from a bar of salt, mate, but to have the same bloke in charge is totally wrong. They should have just cleaned, cleaned it all out and started from the bottom again, mate. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Charlie, I, I appreciate your sentiments there, and I, I imagine uh, those sentiments from Charlie there um, are well and truly supported by a lot of people around the country, but uh, then again, they might not be. So uh, that's why we've opened up this window. It's uh, 9.39 on SCNZ, I see. Uh, Dave is on the line from Palmerston North. Dave, good morning to you. Good morning, Smitty. Hey, look, just on this, um, things like um, Pākehā view, that's, and this might sound harsh, it's, that's like positive racism. But like with the woman, um, you know, you want equal pay, you want uh, equal viewing rights, you've got to have equal criticism. And to say that women take it differently, uh, criticism differently, do they? Or do they take it uh, more openly, whereas men perhaps 
would think about it or deal with it, you know, by themselves and are not so open about it, you know. You know, the song, it was, it's not, it was acceptable in the 80s, but it's not acceptable in 2020, get that. Um, as far as, you know, the World, the World Cup, we've got Wayne Smith for the woman, and we've got Joe Smith for the men. I think we're in a bit of a panic mode. And uh, French, France could do the double as much as I hate to say it. It's, but yeah, it's, it's a big subject, massive, massive subject. Um, and I, I don't think you can go too far left with it, but you've got to come into the centre. Common sense, just use common sense. Dave, uh, one of the issues that's come out of it uh, that I've been reading in the reports anyway, there was no formal apology to Kirinata Alangamate, which is an interesting thing. No formal apology, apparently, from um, the, the Black Ferns, and, and she was not included in the recent Black Ferns camp. So uh, I'm trying to read between the lines here and think perhaps by coming out um, and... And saying that she's probably ended her career, uh, just looking from the outside in at this point, anyway. Well, it'd be a shame if she's been ostracised because of that. Um, and the, it's, you know, obviously the, coach, the, the buck stops with, you know, the rugby union and the head coach. But who was the actual person that made these comments or multiple comments to different women? They should be held accountable. Are they still in the coaching group? Because then you have a toxic, you know, environment. And it's a bit like the girl, I can't remember her name, that was left out of the White Ferns. It, it turns out there was issues with, you know, between her and the coach. And yet she was the best domestic bowler. You know, you've, you've got to work around these things. And we've got to, we can't leave our key players out with the, because we can't, get, you know, get on with one another. You're not going to get on with one another, with everybody in life. You know, you've got to find the best way to work with people and get the best out of them. So we, you know, the end goal is so New Zealand does well on world stage in sport. Dave, thanks very much for your call. I think the girl you're looking for there was Lee Kasparit, who was left out the experience yeah, quite right. soon. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Appre- appreciate your call, mate. Appreciate your sentiments this morning. So um, I guess uh, one of the other things uh, in the back of my mind is this. Had we beaten France, had we beaten England on the recent women's tour to the UK, would this have even happened? Would it? I appreciate uh, your text on that or your call on that, 0800-150811. Do results uh, sometimes from time to time cloud issues below the surface? And the quality of your playing strength, uh, does that sometimes cloud issues below the surface? Now, when the quality of your playing strength isn't as good as the opposition, uh, that opens a, a wide a wide door for those issues to come to the fore. And to me, that is exactly what's happened here. And I, I, I question whether this would have happened to this extent had that Northern Tour by the women been more successful in terms of on-the-field performance. Would it have come to a head like this? Mm, interesting. The other thing is, uh, at least now we know that the coach is staying, Wayne Smith is coming in, um, and uh, the assistant coaches, etc., from underneath uh, will be will be staying and, and looking forward. I've got some sort of surety about what's going on. Brian is there uh, on the line. Brian, our Brian is. Uh, can you put uh, Brian on for if you can connect Brian for me as well? We can have a quick chat to Brian uh, if he wants to talk about these issues. That would be great. 
just uh, looking for a thumbs up um, from uh, our technical guys just to see if we can get this call through uh, in time. So, okay, Brian, morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Smithy. I'll just make it short and sweet. I've been listening to the conversations this morning and I was thinking of a mythical broadcast uh, coming from some other overseas country like South Africa, Ireland, uh, one of those, you know, and how we would respond to it. If we were to read that um, one of these countries had had a selection um, <laughs> criteria whereby yeah. you have a choice of coaches for the All Blacks and uh, or their national team, of course, and on the one corner you have the most winning coach in the history of professional rugby. The other corner you have the coach with the most abysmal record in rugby and of course you pick the one with the abysmal record because he can only improve that's all i've got to say on the subject smithy appreciate that brian and i get the meaning uh, i'm reading between the lines and i get the exact meaning of it thanks very much for that short and sharp message too through thank you uh, and thank you through uh, the callers we opened up the window and finally you guys uh, and ladies came uh, through and we encourage you to do that whenever you feel like it uh, we shall try and find a window to have a chat with you on air. So, Brian, thank you for that. Um, and uh, throughout uh, that little 15-minute uh, window, that was cool. We've got to close it now because uh, as uh, radio uh, determines, we've got other things uh, to focus on as well, things like advertisements, things like news, uh, and things like multis, and they're all coming up before 10 o'clock. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Texts continue to come in on the Crusaders as well, just by the by. Richard, uh, I think you might have got a predictive text there. Yours has come through with Smith, Deans, McCain and Robertson. I can see Deans in there. Uh, I can see McCain being McCaw, Smith not sure about, so if you want to have another crack, Richard, uh, come on in uh, and decipher it a little bit better, please. John, uh, Fergie McCormick, Robbie Deans, uh, Dan Carter, Richie McCaw, uh, that is history, isn't it? That is some history of the Crusaders going back there. Uh, here's uh, a, a nice text I've got in, uh, this morning as well. Uh, well, I say nice, informative anyway, from uh, Bevan. He said, uh, hey, uh, not all the coaches are staying, by the way. John Haggart, the backs coach, has resigned in the last month. So uh, he's out of uh, the Black Ferns coaching department. Um, and Bevan says, I watched them play at their camp versus Lincoln University Colts, and they were poor. Skill sets and fitness especially. Do they have Kate Darry, uh, All Blacks uh, nutritionist involved? Uh, I think. Yeah, no, I don't know if they do. Uh, they had a cast of thousands there, says Bevan. So I find it hard to believe that they don't have that support. I'm down the personal responsibility track. Yeah, good on you, Bevan, and thanks very much for your text as well. Uh, hey, Smithy, not sure what this player's ability is, taking, I'm sure, uh, about uh, the hooker, um, who has uh, prompted a lot of the discussion uh, about this, of course, the hooker that was left out, uh, Takura Nata uh, Arangamate, um, and Araha's shaking a fist at me because I haven't quite got that right, but I'm doing no, my no, very no, best. No, no, you did I'm great. I'm doing my best. No, it's okay. That's Do you, cool. I will give That's you a breakdown cool. of how it's said later in the show if you want to break it down so you understand oh what it means. Goodness. It's easy. Oh, okay. Kura, yeah, that's cool. Te kura, yeah. Nata is the yeah. first part of her last name. Yeah. And Nata, then yeah. Yeah. Aire is like the word Haire, you know, go, but without the H on the front. Yeah. 
aire nga is plural for the and mate is dead. Aire nga mate. So te kura nata aire nga mate. Okay. Thank you very much. There's another piece of information you didn't need to know. Anytime, anytime that you want to pick me up on that, that's cool. Uh, hey, Smithy, uh, not sure what this player's ability is. We're talking about uh, Takilda there, uh, but it's possible she was overweight. Here we go. This is just someone's opinion. Uh, lacks skill and didn't have the ability to perform the highest level international sport. Just the devil's advocate point of view. There is a lot. There's a lot. And, and uh, Arawa's shaking her head there. Oh. Uh, Arawa, we'll come back to that because we've got to go to an ad break and then we'll come back. And I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that. Park that. Park that thought. Park it, please. It's 9.54 here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, yesterday, the Pulse uh, blew the last quarter uh, to the steel in a massive fashion, so uh, they missed out. Let us down. Today, uh, tonight, Hurricanes versus Moana Pacifica. Uh, Hurricanes 13 plus at $1.37. Melbourne victory to beat Brisbane at a buck sixty-two. Real Madrid and Chelsea tomorrow morning to draw at two seventy-five. That'll return $6.10. Coming up to uh, the news at 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Been a very busy um, morning so far. Thank you so much for your input. More text to read out uh, in the next uh, hour or so as we head towards midday. And Andrew Mulligan after the break. The all-new SENZ is Kiwi for sport. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 10.03, we'll just change uh, direction, I, I think, uh, in this next hour, just for a little while anyway. Uh, we're going to go to basketball and we're going to go to Mull, Andrew Mulligan, because uh, the New Zealand Breakers now officially have a firm grip on the ANBL wooden spoon after their most recent 99-89 loss to the South East Melbourne Phoenix. And are set to wrap up the season as their worst in their 19-year history. Meanwhile, in uh, the United States, the NBA's play-in tournament tips off tomorrow to decide the 7th and 8th seeds in the Eastern and Western Conference. There's plenty going on in the world of hoops. So, Mull, uh, thanks very much for giving us a bit of your time this morning. The perfect bloke to talk to. G'day, Smithy. What a pleasure it is to be on your show again. Thank you for having me. No, no problem at all. I, I love it, Mull. Hey, look, in the Breakers, uh, they take on uh, the Kings tonight, who are red hot. Um, is there a, just a semblance of a chance we might finish on a decent note? Absolutely not, Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for your time this morning, Mull. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, look, I'll be oh, man, I'm just being. I'm just being brutally honest about um, I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, it's, it's, it's Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dummy, so you're telling me there's a chance. The game isn't tipped off yet. There are, there are a chance to win, but th- these guys just, they want to go uh, about their off-season pretty damn quickly. Um, you know, their body language at times, you can read into it. Uh, there's signs of frustration. There's a signs of this has been such a drawn-out, dragged-out season, having to play in Australia. And you know what? I, I do really feel for them. Yes, they've got the wooden spoon. Yes, this is the worst record-wise Breakers team 
um, that, that's ever been in the league. But this by no means isn't the worst team the Breakers have ever had. I mean, there were some, there were some terrible teams that Andre Lamanis coached before he won his championships, um, before they all figured it out. And I mean, we're here now talking about this Breakers team that will pin their success on the two French kids that they brought in, Hugo Besson, the 20-year-old, um, Usman Dieng, uh, the 18-, 19-year-old, both heading towards the NBA draft. Maybe an outside lottery chance for, for Dieng, but that, that's what they'll say is a success for the season. And um, Yanni Wetzel, he's been a proven performer time and again for the Breakers, the centre, uh, but that's about all she wrote for them. They've been without Tom Abercrombie, their captain, who is mm. such a steadying, steadying veteran influence on the squad when he plays on the court. Findelani is unfortunately just hasn't had a great season for them, and uh, I think they'll regroup. It'll just be interesting to see what Matt Walsh and the ownership group do with Dan Shamir, because Dan Shamir, record-wise, hasn't done great things with his team, but as we know, extraordinary circumstances been dragged around some of the backwaters of Australian basketball, Bendigo, Launceston. They haven't been stationed anywhere glamorous like Sydney or Melbourne. The league's put them in some terrible gyms with no crowds. They haven't done them any favours whatsoever, Smithy. No, I was, I was just going to be, you probably preempted it actually, Mel, but I was going to ask you um, how big, when they go to placemakers, how big a broom do the owners purchase? But uh, you, you might have tempered it a wee bit there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 the natural question, and it is it is one where Matt Walsh will firmly believe in what is happening with the coaching squad, uh, the coaching squad that he has. Um, I mean, Dan Shamir is a good coach. He's got he's got a good point guard in Peyton Seaver who who runs things for him really well. But when he's on the floor, he's good. But you need you need tools around him to play with. You need another import um, besides Desson, who's just a kid who's played French second division. And now he's come into a, a, a real powerhouse league that's top five in the world. And you just can't rely on a, a, another smallish guard like Jason Randall, Jeremiah Martin, and Peyton Seaver. There's no paint defense. They've just been eaten alive, chewed up, and spat out in the paint this season. And Yanni Wetzel has just been left on an island. They have barely used Rob Lowe, and Rob, Rob Lowe isn't a great post defender as it is. They're undersized. They need another big whether that comes from the US or, or a, a big European, they can't go massive like they went with Colton Iverson last year, who was just an absolute iceberg um, between the foul lines. But, you know, he did a good job of rebounding, and when he stayed on the floor out of foul trouble, he was, um, he was effective at being a, um, a massive lump of coal in the middle. But they're going to need just to, to recruit better and build pieces around Yanni Wetzel. Okay, so um, they've still got, after the Kings, uh, the Jack Jumpers and the 36ers to contend with. 36ers going down last night as well. I uh, just, um, is there a possibility there in those matchups that there might be something to take out of? Someone might save their spot. Jack Jumpers, uh, I can see that as a winnable game for them, but they are in the hunt as well. They're massively in the hunt. Like the, the the Phoenix are in the hunt as well. They've had some they've had some consistency issues with their squad trying to get into that top four. Jack trying to get into that top four, which is pretty. It's got some great names in there, like Melbourne United, Perth Wildcats, Illawarra, and Sydney. I, I kind of see that's the four that will be in the NBL playoffs. Thirty six is definitely targetable. But then you know what? That game, those, those games, you, you're one foot on the plane. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, um, you know, you've been in sports teams, Smitty. You've been on long tours yourself. 
when you see the light at the end of the tunnel and things aren't going your way in you know, a relatively foreign environment, um, you can't wait to get home, right? Uh, look, it's true. It's, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I'd have been, uh, look, I, I take my hat off to, these, to all our franchises over there. I've been in places where even on in nice hotels and things, Ma, when you're getting the best of the best, you get down. So, you know, Ooh. when you look around your surroundings and you're in this room and you think, God, being at home, I've got a nicer place at home. Uh, you know, I can control what I'm doing more at home. Uh, why, why do I want to be here? Especially when things aren't going right. So I can totally buy into that concept. Don't worry about that. Um, and seen it many times with many players as well. Uh, let's move on, mate, if we can, to the NBA play-in tournament. Now, this is... Uh, an interesting concept. One, do you like it? Um, and how do you see it going? LeBron hates it. Um, I love it. Uh, and ironically, LeBron hates it so much that um, his Lakers team didn't bother turning up for it. <laughs> so uh-huh. they, Beautiful. They, they, were, they were eliminated uh, last week. Uh, they've just fired their coach today. I love the playing tournament, Smithy. It was born out of um, making it competitive the NBA bubble in 2020, the teams that were within a shout of making the playoffs when COVID interrupted the NBA season, they all took them to Dream World, uh, Disney World in Orlando, and they all sort of this group of uh, teams fought it out to see who could make the playoffs. I love the idea. They've refined it now. So teams one to six are safe. Teams seven through 10, and it used to be eight teams in each conference, teams seven through 10 in the standings, playoff for the right to make those last two spots. So four teams into two spots in either conference. And the, the East uh, has been probably the most fascinating one to watch because the Brooklyn Nets have uh, made a major trade for Ben Simmons from Philadelphia, uh, a defensive point guard who's six foot ten, hates shooting the ball, but is um, great defensively, can create shots for guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He may be back for the first round. They're in the seventh spot, so they play the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are in the playoffs uh, technically for the first time since LeBron James. And then in the um, the other matchup, you've got two high-scoring young teams in Atlanta and Charlotte. They'll be fascinating to watch. The loser of that series, the loser of that game, I should say, goes home, goes to the lottery. The winner plays the loser of the Cavs and the Nets, so you get a second life if you're in that 7-8 mm. matchup. Um, and then you're set for the playoffs. I love it. It, it brings a, a sense of elimination and a Game 7 vibe to the NBA playoffs straight away because usually the first, the first round series, some of them can be quite interesting when they're matched quite closely in the standings. That's a good indicator of what they are like as a quality team. But you usually get a few blowouts, a few, a few sweeps. So this brings a bit of spice to the playoffs, and I, I'm, I'm all for it. It's... it's it's great from the uh, from the NBA, and incidentally, the NBL will probably do something similar next season. Um, where maybe teams five and six have to play off to see who plays for team four into the playoffs for the NBL next season. That might be a possibility as well. Right, game two, uh, the Clippers face uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, the Timberwolves uh, are firing at the moment. They're well, they're firing it for the season. They're young, they're brash. Carl Anthony Town, uh, you know, he's, he's a big man who won the three-point comp- um, competition at the All-Star Weekend. Anthony Edwards is an absolute bull. Um, he doesn't really care for, um, for basketball, he makes it seem. Um, he's made some comments in the past when he uh, was a rookie where he doesn't really watch a lot of basketball. He's just naturally gifted at it. Patrick Beverly has been a great addition, a former clipper who uh, is a point guard, and he just gets under the skin of everybody he plays. And I like the idea of him facing his old team 
the Los Angeles Clippers, who in the playoffs may be able to welcome back Kawhi Leonard, who's been out all season uh, with an Achilles injury. And uh, I think it's an Achilles or an ACL, I can't remember, but it's been a long-term injury. So that matchup, that'll be interesting to see. And yeah, San Antonio, who crept into the playoffs, uh, they'll be playing the New Orleans Pelicans as well, Stephen Adams' old team. And not too sure how that goes. I think I'll see uh, the Spurs probably get that out with Greg Popovich, the veteran legendary coach uh, leading that Spurs team, of course. Yeah, well, that's, uh, yeah, for Pop, it might be a, a premature farewell, but uh, we'll wait and see on, on that one. Charlotte Hornets uh, taking on Atlanta Hawks. Uh, how do you see that? Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be high scoring. Trey Young, the point guard for Atlanta Hawks, he won't have his uh, he won't have one of his big men and, and, and John Collins. But these two teams they split their uh, their four matchups over the season, and they they can fill it up. I can see this this um, this matchup going 115-110 to either club. They're going to fill it up points-wise. Defense may be optional. The mellow ball for the Charlotte Hornets. He, of course, was Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, three years ago for the NBL uh, when the breakers at RJ Hampton, you know, they had millions watching uh, the game at Spark Arena when these two projected NBA lottery picks went at it. Uh, And the NBL is sort of a surreal moment there for the NBL, but the mellow ball has been amazing for Charlotte. He's really just made the transition from being a, um, a, a touted high school player into a professional league like the NBL and then into the NBA. I have no idea who's going to win that game. Defense will be optional until the fourth quarter where they'll have to play um, to stop each other scoring, which is what the playoffs is all about. And it's my simplistic form. Mal, you know, when we, if we went back to the start of the season and these NBA seasons do go for a long, long time, but if we, we went back and we now look at these players that are... Uh, these teams that are in this, uh, you know, cutthroat situation, uh, you look at the Lakers that have gone all together, um, you look across the board, has there been a season uh, for a long time where there's been so much carnage amongst the highest rate teams and the highest rated squads, the most valuable squads? Well, since the Golden State Warriors repeated, I think, in 2018, this year, if the Bucks don't repeat as champions, it'll be the fourth different NBA team to win a championship. And there was a time where it was like the Golden State Warriors have ruined basketball. They've made it they made it un they've made it unfair. They signed Kevin Durant. He left. And it, that suddenly just made everything wide open. LeBron left Cleveland, went to the Lakers. This has been fun to watch. There are so many storylines going into these conference playoffs that I just I honestly cannot wait. Will Ben Simmons come back in the first round for the Brooklyn Nets to make a difference? Will James Harden turn up and, and, and be consistent for the Philadelphia 76? He's got a terrible track record in the playoffs across a couple of teams um, for uh, the NBA. And the 76ers will be sweating on him being of any uh, consistency. You've got the Phoenix Suns who have won um, a franchise record 64 games. It's unbelievable. They've won 64 games. And no one is really talking about them as dead-set, locked-in favourites for the NBA title because they were in the finals last year. Injuries and Giannis stopped them from going any further to win that championship. Now, those kind of storylines are great. And, I, you know, and people will be loving the demise of the Lakers and, and, and LeBron, and Lakers fans will be saying, you just keep that same energy for next season because we'll be back bigger and better than ever. So, yeah, I love it. It's great. This, this NBA playoffs is wide open. Mo, uh, brilliant. Absolutely look forward to it. And uh, it won't be the, this period of time before we get you back on. Uh, before this uh, season is over, we want to hear more from you, please. Uh, 
So uh, we'll we'll pencil it and you can pen it in. Uh, Mo, Andrew Mulligan, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, look forward to the next time uh, shortly. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers. Uh, Andrew Mulligan there, folks, of uh, all sorts of fame, um, but uh, his great passion uh, is basketball, and you can hear that, um, and his expertise, and we desperately need to get that on more often. It's 10.17 here on SENZ. It's panel time next. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Cool panel this morning, consisting of uh, all-rounder, really. Mark Watson, I put him in that category. He's been uh, a host, of course. Uh, He's been a commentator. He's uh, got... Uh, very strong opinions on a lot of matters. So I look forward to Mark this morning and uh, with him, uh, Patrick McKendry. Patrick uh, now has a new vocation. He is a, a One News sports writer. So uh, I look forward to uh, hearing from Patrick as well. Uh, in fact, Patrick, I'll give you uh, first serve, if you like, uh, the, uh, re- uh, the reaction really uh, from your point of view to this uh, report coming out and uh, the Black Ferns, it's, it's sort of hit the headlines. Yeah, certainly has, Smithy. Good morning to you and, and Mark. Uh, I guess mixed emotions around the Black Ferns review. I guess firstly, um, fantastic that it was obviously so thorough. Um, secondly, pretty disappointed really with what they found. Um, like so many deficiencies in that environment um, and some pretty bad ones, clearly none of them are conducive to, to a high-performance environment and you know, maybe that explains why um, they went so poorly on, on last year's end-of-year tour, losing all four tests pretty convincingly. So um, I, I guess with so many things found wanting, I am very surprised that uh, there haven't been more casualties in terms of coaches or management uh, losing their positions. Um, you know, I, I think uh, although we haven't properly heard from Glenn Moore, we haven't heard his side of the story. As head coach, I think he... I think the buck stops with him, and I'm surprised that he's still there, to be honest. Okay, Mark, uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, don't disagree um, with what Patrick has just said. It seems to me that it's just amazing that with the resource and the level of um, you know how high-profile New Zealand rugby is, that they've allowed this to happen. That you know, you know, they've got a model of perfection and excellence on the men's side and why that hasn't been transferred across to the women's in regards to the setup. Um, a couple of the interesting things, and I think, you, you know, you can't just look purely at um, the coaching stuff. The interesting thing was um, that I read about it is that, you know, that the women within this team and the professional environment do have to learn to take criticism a little bit better as well. And I think that was quite an interesting comment. Um, I think, it, you know, one player basically stood up and said, look, I felt bullied, my mental health suffered, and suddenly we have this review. Would we have had the review if someone hadn't spoken up? Um, I think we've also got to be a little bit careful in this country. We've seen a lot of women's sports where athletes are coming out and claiming being bullied. And... You know, we're, we're, and we've seen a lot of internal reviews. Now, the environment these days within the media, the political environment, the moment that happens, hey, we have to have that review. We've just got to be a little bit careful too because 
you know, clearly in this case, yes, there was some genuine, um, I think there's some genuine evidence to back up those claims, but we've got to be careful too that we don't just, every time a coach yells at somebody, everybody time a coach asks for more out of an athlete or an athlete doesn't end up getting picked that immediately, oh, it's bullying. Um, because I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of male coaches and stuff walk away from coaching female athletes um, just in the fear fact that they just don't want to have that label. You know, I saw it last year with New Zealand kayaking with a good friend of mine, Gordon Walker. Now he managed to survive all of that. And so, yeah, well, I think this is really positive for women's rugby. I, I, I just, yeah, I just hope that every time an athlete sort of puts their hand up and says, I've been bullied, that, you know, we don't just do these in-depth investigations and somehow at the end of it have to find some sort of outcome. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of at a, at a loss to answer this question to myself, Patrick, and I, 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 I seek your guidance here. I just wonder whether this would have happened had they had a far more successful tour to the Northern Hemisphere, had they beaten England and France at least once, uh, would, uh, would we have gone into um, panic review mode as such? I think Mark um, touched on it. I, th- I think if Takura hadn't put her hand up and said... Um, you know, and, and, and stated on social media that she was really struggling, and, and, and for the reasons that she gave, I, I think that's why there, there was the review. Obviously, the results um, compounded it, and you know, I, I don't think those results are acceptable. But either, to be honest, after you know the, the, the proud history that the Black Ferns have, how they've gone from being so good to so average and completely overtaken by the Northern Hemisphere teams. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, look, I know that the, the Northern Hemisphere teams now have such an advantage in terms of women's rugby with the Six Nations and what a fantastic tournament that is. And I watched England play Wales the other day and, wow, uh, the English players in particular, just fantastic, so so skillful and clearly well coached. And you can see that. And I don't think you can say that about the Black Ferns, quite frankly. Um, so, uh, look, I, I think... Um, players accept criticism if everyone's accountable um, and I, I don't think that's the case here so um, you know I don't think this I don't think this is the end of it I don't think it is either um, but let's hope they can get on um, finalize their staff and get on and uh, prepare the time is absolutely running out here uh, mark just staying on the rugby subject uh, Steve Hansen once called it ugly Justin Marshall has come out in the last uh, few days and said they got a Basically, it's the worst thing that's happening in the game. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, the line-out, drive, rolling mall type situation that we see in the game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's starting to become, um, yeah, the default setting for every team, isn't it? Suddenly, we're not taking the three points in offer. We're quick kicking to the corner. We're setting the rolling mall up. It seems to very much favour the attacking team. It's a very, very hard thing, technically, and way the rules are set up to defend. Um, I'm not sure that it's great for the viewing public and even if you seem to negate the rolling mall, suddenly the arm goes out and you're back under advantage again. Um, look, I, I, I had a Peter Mears, a rugby commentator on the programme last night and he basically sort of just, you know, he almost said that it sort of just legalised um, sort of blocking and he couldn't quite get his head around how it's actually allowed, how... It, it, it actually is allowed to happen in rugby 
um, it almost sort of um, contradicts so many other rules in terms of, you know, accidental offside and other things that we do see um, on, a, on a playing field. So, look, I'm not sure what the solution is. We tried it a lot last year, didn't we? I remember the second test against South Africa and we continued to try and kick for the corner, continued to try the rolling ball. South Africa, you know, negated us and we ended up actually losing that test. So, you know, I, I think sides, um, I think sides are, are going to need to, you know, they can't afford to be just one-dimensional. Yes, you might be able to get away with sides that are struggling with, with it, such as Moana Pacifica, uh, but, you know, if you come up against a side like, say, South Africa, you know, if we say this transfers back into the international game, then, yeah, I, 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 I think, um, yeah, I, I think it, we, we could end up, you know, getting us into a bit of trouble again. Yep, totally agree. Mark Watson, Patrick McKendry with us uh, on the panel this morning. Going to take a short break uh, for the news with Araha, and then we will return with part two. He's a busy man, that Mark Watson. Uh, Glad to have him on the panel this morning, and uh, Patrick McKendry as well. Uh, Patrick, uh, look, uh, Anton Leonard-Brown, it looks like he could well be out for six months. Does that mean... uh, we're going to see a lot more Geordie Barrett and maybe Geordie Barrett in the midfield in the black jersey. Well, that's the big question, uh, isn't it? Um, and, but before I get into that, I'll have a quick word, if I may, about the rolling mall um, and how it's apparently okay. not defensible. Um, the Crusaders seem to do it pretty well, don't they? I don't think they've conceded a line-out drive in five or six years under Scott Robertson. So what he, whatever he and Jace Ryan are doing uh, with that pack seems to be working pretty well. But anyway, uh, I, I, I digress. Um, the midfield, yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, it's been an issue, hasn't it, under Ian Foster for a couple of years now. He, he just can't, for various reasons, uh, settle on a, on a really um, solid uh, and, and consistent midfield partnership. And now that Anton Leonard Brown's out for six months, ruling him out of the Irish test in July, which, uh, which will be highly anticipated given what's happened recently uh, with, with Ireland Rugby. Um, he has some big decisions to make. And I, I think, um, obviously, the return of, of Jack Goodhue, I think he played club rugby at the weekend, got through 40 minutes. I think he has to be fairly high, high up there because he's such a quality player. Um, and, you know, if you're looking for a partner for Jack um, at the moment, I'd have to go with Rico Ioane. I, I think... Um, you know, he's developed so much in that area. He, he played pretty well in Northern Hemisphere Tour last year. He scored a, a cracking try against uh, France and Paris. Uh, I, I think he deserves a shot. Right, OK, let's get uh, across the fence to Rugby League, shall we? And uh, the Warriors have been called out for not acting sooner uh, on the homophobic slur that came out of their camp on the field of play. Uh, Mark Watson, I feel a little bit for Cameron George, the CEO, in this situation. I mean... Uh, he can't govern that, can he? I mean, but he has, has to continually apologise for it. Yeah, look, it's a really difficult one. I mean, you know, you're dealing with young men, men who... Look, it's no excuse for it. I, I'm not trying to justify it, but there's a lot of language thrown out there, and sometimes they throw out words, and I'm not sure that they mean it the way it's sometimes interpreted, but players do know now that, look, they are on 24-7, there's microphones, there's all sorts of things. You get picked up for foul play, you do get picked up for foul language. Look, the NRL, the Warriors, they've got to live up to a brand, and when a player comes out and says things like that, which clearly are homophobic slurs, then it brings the whole organisation, the whole competition, it challenges its integrity. You can't stand up there and say, hey, we're a club that preaches family values. 
um, we're all inclusive and then you know suddenly that is picked up and, and look let's be honest the media will always pick up on those things um, they know that it's going to get a lot of clicks um, yes yeah, so, so look I, I think in these situations clubs probably just need to do more around a little bit of media risk management hey if these things do happen what is our plan let's hit the button immediately uh, let's come out let's make a statement let's not hesitate here um, and you know, but, but equally too, you know, you've got to sit down with the players first. You can't just throw them under the bus and just assume that, hey, they're guilty because the media said it. Yeah, look, it, it, it's a difficult one. Um, but yeah, uh, look, as I said, the political environment made there's just no room for it. And so they've just got to be smarter. They've got to be better. And you know, maybe maybe in the changing room they just need to rehearse um, the lines that they're going to throw at players when they are under duress, and just make sure they. You know, um, use more conventional band language, if I can say that, if any. <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, but sometimes, sometimes, um, uh, you know, something rules your brain just momentarily and you think, oh, my God. Uh, and you've just got to be fully aware yep. that referees carry mics, oh, uh, touch oh, judges oh, or ARs carry mics and their, and their flags. There's nothing there. <clears throat> look, Smithy, I mean, we've all done it on radio and we've all done our media careers at times where things come out and say, oh, I hope that's not interpreted or, you know, and you sort of yeah. go, oh, okay, yeah, not good. But, you, you know, it's very hard to pull it back, isn't it? You can't. No. No, you can't pull it back. Um, what's uh, said is said. Can't unlisten it. Um, Patrick, uh, his text has just come in, actually, before I get your comments on, on that particular matter, if you like. But uh, Chris has come in. I'm yeah. not quite sure if he's from your neck of the woods or not because he said the Crusaders defending the rolling mall well because refs don't penalise them at any stage. Uh, you wouldn't be buying into that. <laughs> oh look, I, I'm not surprised that was brought up. And um, given what happened at the end of that Hurricanes match, which I think you were were at uh, on on the sidelines, maybe, um in Wellington, yeah, there, um, they were very lucky. The Crusaders, no doubt about it, at that incident where clearly Scott Barrett interfered with Artie Severe and the, as he was jumping, brought him down too early. Um, but clearly, that was worth another look. And um, I, I think not only. The Crusaders lucky to get away with that one. They were probably uh, lucky to get away with the victory as well. Um, so yeah, look. Um, but I, I just feel that as part of the game, uh, the line-out drive or the drives driving more. Um, that, that the game is supposed to be for all shapes and sizes, um, and, and that's another element um, where the, the big boys can roll their sleeve, sleeves up and get into it. So. Uh, I know it is a little bit counterintuitive because there are offsides and things like that, but it's just I feel it's just part of an integral part of the game. Um, in, ten, in terms of the NRL and Montoya business, I, I think nearly 48 hours afterwards, I think that the, the Warriors should have reacted a bit quicker than that. I think once it's heard on a broadcast, once it gets into social media, uh, you just got to act a lot quicker. And, and Mark's right, you do, you do need to talk to the player, you do need to investigate. But uh, I think they probably should have got the ball rolling a bit quicker than that. Okay, uh, let's look at uh, something really cool. Uh, I thought it was cool, Mark, uh, anyway, and that was uh, this fellow, Scotty Scheffler. Man, has he taken the golfing world by storm now? I think he's won four tournaments this year, including a major. Only one other player's done that, and you know who that is. Yeah, look, I just think the back nine of the final day of a golfing major is just some of the most, Oh, it's just one of the great things in sport, isn't it? Now, if you want to see a metaphor for sports psychology, watch that. Um, some players have a head like granite. Some players come in with a head like granite, end up being marshmallows by the end of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things progress for him 
with the success, um, you know, there will be all the big commercial partners now lining up to be a part of it and suddenly you've just got that clarity as a golfer then suddenly you've become a business person along with it um, and that can change um, uh, you know that, that that can change a golfer's mindset but boy 25 years of age um, yeah simply remarkable you, you know it's 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 one thing having the talent and the technical ability but they have the mental side of it that you know that's why certain players or certain sportsmen, they end up having statues built of them. But just to give you an example, I mean, you go back, you look at Rory McIlroy, I think he won four majors fairly quickly, didn't he? And then the business side of it came in and he sort of hasn't quite been the same player. So it'll be interesting to see now with the big target on his back, his reputation, how he does handle that. Because, yeah, he is still only 25 years of age, but, yeah, outstanding. Patrick, what did you make of the Tiger show? Um... It was, <laughs> look, it ended up a little bit of a damp squib, didn't it, because it was um, performance in the third round, which is disappointing, I guess, for the tournament and obviously him and, and all his supporters. But it just shows, I think, how important Tiger Woods is to golf. Um, he He's almost bigger than the game, which is remarkable when you, when you sit back and think about it. Um, he's such a draw card. And if he's not um, sort of in contention, then a lot of people are going to switch off. And I, I didn't watch the final round. I know that, um, obviously, Rory McIlroy sort of roared back and had a, a superb last round, um, and that piqued my interest. But if, if a sort of an identical, relatively boring American is leading a tournament, I'm probably not going to tune in. I'm not that much of a golf fan. But if Tiger Woods is, then 100% I will. Or if Rory McIlroy is, then yeah, definitely. But uh, I, I, I guess from my perspective, it just shows how important personality is not only in sport, but in particular golf. Yep, OK, well, uh, thanks, gentlemen. Uh, Pat McKen- Patrick McKendry, Mark Watson. Mark Watson will be on air, of course, tonight with Storm Purvis, so uh, look forward to that. Thanks for your content, uh, guys, this morning. Uh, we'll have another panel uh, at the same time tomorrow morning, as per usual. Uh, we have uh, a number of texts to read out in the next uh, break, and then, uh, of course, we'll talk to Louis Herman Watt and get in- uh, involved with the TAB just before 11 o'clock. Every month, visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we've had a quick discussion uh, in the studio uh, amongst uh, the boss and a few other people and that, and uh, some of the texts that are coming in. I'll be honest with you, we, we, um, we don't feel we can read because there's uh, word, one or two words uh, from time to time within them that uh, perhaps are too degrading as such and, I, and they're words that are used in the English language and uh, I'm not quite sure about it but anyway, uh, for some reason I'm going to take the cautious way out this morning anyway, I can't promise you I'll continue to do that uh, but I will read this one out, um, maybe the girl and we're talking about um, uh, Takura here, uh, maybe the girl was dropped because she wasn't good enough just like thousands of other sports people around the world I don't think that's unfair to say that maybe she was dropped because she wasn't fit enough um, just like a, a lot of other sports people around the world, or maybe she was dropped because she didn't fit into the team environment, just like other thousands of other people around the world. Uh, maybe the coach didn't handle it properly, just like thousands of other coaches around the world. Hopefully this is not something we have to put up with in women's sport moving forward. And I think that's a fairly fair observation. I don't think there was uh, anything um, too derogatory or anything of that nature in that one. So, look, <coughs> it, it's clearly sensitive. It is clearly sensitive because 
uh, a lot of people uh, who think deeper about it than others um, have varying opinions on it. And um, I'll tell you what, it's not going to go away, this issue. So we I don't know, we're just going to have to be a bit more judicious in what, what we do about the whole thing, and that is because it's uh, the year 2022. But some people um, can ride with it uh, a lot more easily than others, quite clearly from the range of texts that have come in this morning. Um, and I thank you for that. We ask for texts, and um, and you give them to us, so at least they give us the feeling behind the scenes if some of them can't go to air. Um, and, and that, uh, I think, is about all you can properly add to that. Uh, Hi Smithy, uh, Scheffler played 62 PG events uh, earning around $8.6 million Picks up Bobble Watson's old caddy Ted Scott and plays 6 this year for 4 wins And over $9 million in earnings, so incredible isn't it? Caddies are underrated, Neil, you're not wrong about that uh, I think they do a hell of a job, sometimes they do too much of a job uh, I don't like uh, when caddies start lying on the greens and reading putts on behalf of their players I think that looks a bit... Uh, Mucky, but however, uh, Mount Rushmore Crusaders. Uh, yeah, we'll try this Wayne Smith, Robbie Dean, Scott Robertson, uh, Richie McCaw. So, uh, a couple of come in there. Um, don't uh, look uh, another four. I'm not, I'm sure Smithy can see a pattern in this one. Um, a Dag from Somerville, Campbell Johnston. Uh, yeah, Somerville, Dag, Somerville, Campbell Johnson. Uh, uh but I can't go Zach Guilford, right. No, you can't go Zach Guilford Dale. But yes, you can see this. Lindisfarne. I can see the pattern sticking out a mile. Lindisfarne College, Hastings. Um, Pete says, presumably when Moore was interviewed, he explained his systems and the way he wanted to run the team. Uh, this is in his very first appointment. To have the team culture slated and his systems under question and reappoint him means there is no alternative. Imagine the next team meeting. How can he stand in front of the players and, and garner respect? Is he going to say, sorry, girls, I got it all wrong. Uh, we are going to change everything and do it this way. Uh, now I'm going to respect you and your values. He's damaged goods and he needs to go. Interesting. Pete, very good. Very good thought that. Uh, man, it has been uh, a subject and a half this morning. It's 10.50 here on SENZ. Take a short break. When we come back, we'll give uh, Louie a little bit more airtime and we'll go to Brendan Popwell at the TAB. Every month, visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, we've uh, got Louis Herman Watt with us uh, this morning, and it's uh, cool news. Uh, Louis, I've been uh, watching a, a bit of the news coming through, filtering through. Uh, training partnerships uh, and the James Wellwood, Roger James uh, partnership with Robert Wellwood, 100th winner. Yes, and it just sort of struck me. Um, we don't see too many individuals carrying on our partnerships, seem to be the Vogan training. Yeah, interesting pickup there, Smithy. I guess. Um I've actually thought about this before with um, Andrew Forsman, I guess, is taking over from Murray Baker in that partnership. So he's going to take over. So what does that mean for how many horses they have? Because I think a lot of the reason that you go into a training partnership is because of scale and time. So trainers and trainers and training partnerships will often tell you, like Kieran Ma said to me, that him and David Eustace, and they're the powerhouse in Australian racing at the moment, they're pretty much never in the same place at the same time, Smithy, which makes it really interesting. It means that they can do more 
more. I joked with him like it's like they're the royal family. So if something happened to one of them, they can still carry on their operation. They can carry on getting paid. The horses can be trained. Then you look at a guy like Chris Waller or um, formerly Jamie Richards at Tiakau, now Mark Walker. Now they're running huge operations by themselves, but it's all about staff because they literally can't do everything by themselves. And quite often when they send their horses away to Christchurch or Melbourne or Sydney, depending where Chris is, he's got people like Joe, uh, Charlie Duckworth, Joe down in Melbourne, a lovely South African lady, um, Charlie Duckworth with them up there. So it's all about the teams you surround yourself in. I guess the reason that the partnership work is because you become equals and Robert James and, and Roger well uh, sorry Robert Wellwood and Roger James's scenario there's a senior trainer and a I guess a trainer that's just starting out their career and eventually might be able to take over and you can learn from each other different skill sets and also as I said scale so it's an interesting pickup from you uh, the other thing I, I noticed that uh, Joe Moreira's just ridden his hundredth winner again for another season wow um is he the best? How do you compare the best? How do you, it's, some say who's the best. Some will say Jay, Jay Mackers. Some will say Marrera. Um, some might say you know somebody else on the other side of the, of the world uh, who is uh, um, who rides for O'Brien. Um, you know the crack jockey in the UK. Yeah, Ryan Moore. Uh, who's the very very best here? Because. I mean, you can't, it's like motor racing drivers, yeah, yeah. they work different cars, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You can look at the time form, uh, sorry, the, the long, longings ratings. Um, they yeah. declared J-Mac the best in the world last year, and I guess it's all on Group 1 winners. But you're right, if you're getting on the best horses, like Michael McNabb is this year, you win the premierships and you win those rankings. It's a great question. But surely, Smithy, we all know who really is the best. It is J-Mac. It is. Come on, let's just declare Okay. It. Got on. Okay, J-Mac, your bosom buddy. Uh, let's move on across to the uh, TAB, shall we, with Brendan Popwell, BP's uh, waiting for us, the, the ever-aging BP on the line listening into all this rubbish. Uh, BP, what, what's happening at the TAB, for God's sake? <laughs> hey, Stockley. Um, right, Canes, uh, Canes, Moana, of course. That's uh, tonight. Most of the betting is around the 12 and under 13 and over because that's the best place you can try and make some money on the match. So we've seen 46% of the bets on the 12 and under and a lot of punters looking towards the 13 and over mark. But the best play is the punters are looking towards the point start. Minus 20 and a half at the dollar ninety for the Hurricanes. That's where the money is going. Hey, a little bit of uh, Major League Baseball before we go to uh, Smithy. Mm. Detroit Tigers, we've had a $5,000 bet on them at $1.87. Uh, that is currently at the top of the seventh one apiece. We've got money on the Phillies, 4500 for them to win by two runs or more at $2.13. That match has just started. Love the baseball, love the betting, and uh, good uh, stuff, BP. Thanks very much for uh, making yourself available to us this morning. Uh, we're going to change tack after 11 o'clock, folks. We're going to go to the Football Ferns. It's the second match of a doubleheader against the Matildas tonight, and we're going to check in with Maya Jackman to look at prospects for that game coming up very shortly. They uh, lost 2-1, conceded two in extra time. Uh, were they that unlucky? I'm not sure that they were. We shall see. Maya next. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's 11.03 here on SENZ in the mornings, uh, courtesy of our partnership with Polaris, our side-by-side buddies. So uh, they've got uh, shiploads of vehicles coming in all the time. Get hold of your local dealer there, uh, Polaris. 
Maya Jackman joins us now, and it's cool that she does because uh, come July, August next year, New Zealand will co-host uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup alongside our Australian neighbours, and it's set to be a great festival of sport to cap off an exciting couple of years, actually, for women's sport in this part of the country uh, and a part of the, of the world, really. We have been a, a major focus, uh, cricket and then, of course, rugby, and then to top it all off, probably the greatest one of the lot will be uh, the Football World Cup, co-hosting, yes, as I say, with Australia. We're actually uh, just finding out how good uh, either nation is at the moment because we're playing a two-match series. We uh, lost the first one, 2-1 in extra time on uh, Saturday night, uh, but tonight uh, is Game 2 in Canberra. Maya joins us uh, this morning to talk about last one uh, and uh, prospects for this one. Hey, Maya, thanks for your time. Thanks, Missy. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Actually, I watched the game the other night. Um, uh, and I, I was quite surprised in the end because we we scrambled and defended so well that we gave up uh, those two late goals, which was, uh, I guess was a little bit depressing. Yeah, it really is. You know, when you're on the back of not winning for 28 years um, and you <laughs> think you're going to, and then you've got five minutes of extra time, which I think was a little steep, to be honest. Um, yeah, you've got to really reset your mindset and, and, and hunker down, which they, I mean, they tried, um, but yeah, wasn't successful, unfortunately. Okay, so let's uh, look at, uh, for you, the good things that came out of it. Um, a hell of a goal, if it was intended or not, it was a hell of a goal right from the outset, but um, <laughs> let's let's look at the, the pluses for you from uh, the football ferns the other night. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what um, Yitka's game plan was but it may have been if we get ahead then you, we just like park the bus and defend you know we're, we're looking to win win games as well as explore games so the positives for that is they defended bloody well Victoria Essen outstanding game um, mm. and then you've got some you know younger players coming in that are um, you know knocking on the door of, of starting 11 so you know for, for me the defence the goalkeeper was amazing. The goal was bloody amazing. <laughs> um, I've seen Greeny do that before, though. Like, she inten- you know, intentionally tries to see the goalkeeper off her line. So whether or not it was intentional, it was still, you know, one of the best goals I've seen for a while. Um, yeah, but, yeah, the, the, the ability to defend when they were under pressure, under pressure, was, was good. Unfortunately, not good enough for, for the 96 minutes. It was, um, to me, just a little bit of an error of inevitability that they might score at least once, the Matildas, because, as you say, uh, one, one part of defending is stopping. The other part is how you redistribute and get out of defence uh, and start to look to go forward. Well, there didn't seem to be a lot of that, that going on, the ability to find people from a clearing situation and move out of the, a defensive situation. It just seemed to keep coming at them. Yeah, and Australia are, you know, renowned for being bloody relentless in any sport. So that's what you've got to expect from them. So you do have to have those things in your locker. Like when we, we've just defended, how do we switch into the ascendancy and attack? And you're right, they didn't have that um, in their locker uh, on that night. And just not pe- people, people, and sometimes in the right places, but the, the wrong ball's been given or just not the amount of support that they needed around the ball because we're getting stretched on defence and the girls can't quite get there um, to support the ball carrier when they do win it. So those are the one things of the that areas, I'll, you know, look... Yeah, one of the areas uh, we, looked, we looked at, Myron, in terms of the, um, 
the team selection was the goalkeeping uh, position. It's been uh, under question because uh, we've had uh, quite a bit of football lately with uh, the football ferns. This performance for Victoria Essen, um, does that give her ownership or is, is it still very much up for grabs? doesn't give her ownership, but I, I'm pretty sure it'll give her ownership for the next game, you'd, you'd hope, um, because she, she had a good game previous to the uh, up, up in, she believes, the last game, and so they wanted to carry on that momentum with her, and I'm sure they'll want to carry on that as well. Um, and, you know, Erin and, can't think of her name, Annalise, that's away at the moment, um, are knocking hard on Erin's door. And Vic's been around for a while, and it's really great to see her come into her own. And so, it's you know, it's really competitive, which is great. Um, we not we don't usually have really competitive um, areas in the in the in the goal area. It's usually a, you know an ownership by one person. So it's a good problem to have, I'd say. We can't afford injuries, and we saw uh, a pretty bad one uh, the other night, the knee injury in that loss uh, to Rhea Percival. What, what, what does that impact have on uh, going forward for you? Oh, that's, a, that's a big one. When I saw it happen, being a physio, I kind of guessed what it might have been. Um, so I was really heartbroken, hoping for the best, expecting the worst. And, I mean, she's the most consistent player I've ever come across in the Ferns and she's con- she's been that way consistently for a, a decade at least and she brings just so much um, passion and grit and skill and yeah there's, there's not many like her if any on the pitch so to lose her is really it's a big blow for the girls but they're going to have to keep her involved it's going to be a long road back for her but I'm, I, I can imagine she'll get back but just, just keeping her involved the entire time leading into the World Cup is a real must. How better can we use the, the likes of Hannah Wilkinson up front? I mean, she must run 15k to 20k a game minimum, chasing the ball, perhaps chasing defenders or trying to obstruct defenders, clearing the ball, etc., without actually having the ball at her feet. How do we, how do we achieve that better for our strike force? Um, yeah, it's, it's, if they're going to use her as a hitman, then, um, you know, point of getting the ball up to her, we really need to create that midfield around her that gives her the opportunity to just pop it back to them and then she can make a better, more effective run. Um, and just, just having numbers around her when she has the ball, uh, instead of just hitting it long and working on possession and working through the thirds is something that they're really probably going to be looking at, um. When we, when we do it, we do it well, and um, Hannah isn't always the person that we're looking to, to use, and that's possibly what they need to do a bit more. It's, instead of having that one, lo- um, one thing in our locker, we need to create more attacking opportunities living, using different, different um, players, and whether that's the midfield coming through or um, playing another one up front with her. It's, yeah, it's a hard one because she does do a lot of running, and it's often it is because it's come from we've defended defenders and then we've had to get the ball out and there's that space between the midfield and the attack and she doesn't have that support as much so she's having to go on these runs all the time mm, It is it's frustrating when you, we don't really get to see her natural attributes uh, as often as we should perhaps we don't, you know, we, we look to need to create set pieces to use her height etc but that, I guess that all just comes from pressure up the field doesn't it? Yeah, and um, and and Hannah's 
uh, got great height and not always used it well in set pieces, but it's, I know it's something that she's working really hard on. And we do have quite a bit of height to work on in the set pieces. But, I mean, again, we want to create things from in, in play and not, not have to count on set pieces. And um, that's often what we need, what we are doing. But to, to create goals from from normal players would be, a, would be great. But it's one of those things that New Zealand have always lacked. So it is, uh, you know, we've got 15 months, I think, to, to get that real attacking mindset going and getting position and keeping position because it's something that we struggled with the other night. Well, one of the other experienced players we see coming back into the fold, but slowly um, after her personal situation, of course, is Rebecca Stott. Now, this is a great story, the fact that she's been able to, to get back to international football level, but they're, 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 they're easing her back into the team. Do you agree with that? Oh, I think they, um, I, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that um, you have to be mindful of, I guess, and just taking things slowly, although she did play a lot of minutes, I think, for her, her club team. So whether they can push it or not, I mean, she may not have been feeling well on the night, so they don't want to push her, but um, having her back is huge because she's a real a real integral person in, in the football fern, so um, she's a real attacking mindset centre-back. So I'll probably play her in midfield if they do play her tonight, because uh, Rhea's not there, so she can play both super well, so it'll be great to see her, because she does look to get forward and look to keep position going forward. We are eight months into the contract of Yitka uh, Klimkova, given a six-year contract last September, so... How do you think overall, uh, we've been seeing a bit of football, of course we had the uh, She Believes Cup back in February, so we've seen the, the football ferns on show a little bit more than we have um, in perhaps in the last two to three years. How do you, how do you feel we're tracking? I think um, her, her coming in right from the beginning and there was the games against Canada, we saw some really bright things happening um, with the players that she had to use because of COVID. She went, wasn't able to use some of the um, more experienced players, so I, I think she utilised the players she had there really well. Um, she believes it was probably a little bit disappointing for for the girls. Um, so it's just it's been a mixed bag really, and it's probably what you would expect um, with with the coach coming in and having restrictions with COVID and whatnot. But um, trying to create a little bit more depth in the New Zealand team, I think, is what she's trying to do um, with these younger players. So. I think a mixed bag, it's been a mixed bag and that's what I would expect at this point. But, but you know, um, probably come June when they play Norway, we need to have cracked on a little bit further because that'll be a year out. So if we look at the overall scheme of things, we know we're participating because we're co-hosting as such. We've uh, got the right to do that. Um, so where would you say the Matildas sit? Where, where do we sit, Australia and New Zealand, as hosts in terms of what we can expect this far out? In terms of playing or hosting? Um, no, I'm, I think the, the hosting will be fine. I think we'll do a great job there. I, 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 I'm looking at on the field, uh, Maya. Yeah, um, I think Australia's... Um, I mean, they, they're always a team that gets up there and they, um, they, they win when it matters and they, they're a big tournament team. Um, I think New Zealand... Um, yeah, we're just, we're just not up to the um, level of... I mean, we we lost two one. It's not a big um, margin between us and Australia, but there was a 
clear difference between the teams. Um, we were on the back foot a lot. So at the moment, we're not up to where we need to be. And looking forward to the to the World Cup, there's there's a lot of work that needs to go in to make sure that we're um, competing well and and looking like winning games. So for, for me, we're not there yet. I'm not sure if we will be or whether it's the next one coming through with um, some COVID having them for the next World Cup. And it's uh, it's interesting because the the game has grown, isn't it? From an individual point of view, the the women's game has grown immensely, and it's grown for our individuals who are now playing so far and wide around the world in different leagues. It's just the case of getting all and harnessing that and getting it back together more often, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the tricky part is can you bring all these players in from all these different environments? Um, and get them to gel together in a short amount of time. Um, and that's always a hard one. Um, and, you know, the, some of the girls are, are playing more minutes than others. Some aren't getting any minutes in their, in their respective teams overseas. So, yeah, just, just trying to harness that um, experience that they're getting overseas and bringing, bringing that in is, is, is really key, but it is also really hard. So uh, yeah, that's probably one of the things that needs to... To be found out and how do we do that and how do we get the girls on the same page really quickly and bring all their experiences respectively in. Maya, obviously as you say, 28 year drought, it would be great to win this one tonight just for the spirit of the side etc, confidence levels but uh, when you look at this game tonight, uh, are you looking for uh, maybe uh, at worst a narrow loss and perhaps much more creativity, much more attacking opportunities with would that be sign of a uh, of a pretty good overall performance, judging both games together? Yeah, I think um, yeah, that would be it for me. If they lose, but they play some really good or try to play some really good attacking position-based football, that would be that would be key. It's um, you know they they lost narrowly this last time, but there wasn't any attacking really, and we got we got a goal out against run of play um, and. So, yeah, for me, it would be attack more and more possession, look for that, lose, but know that you've made some inroads into what you really need to be doing, pushing forward and going forward, and that's keeping the ball. OK, Maya, hey, been great to chat to you. Thanks very much. Enjoy the, uh, the fixture tonight, and certainly with uh, the, um, the importance of uh, the next uh, 12 to 18 months in women's football, we hope to have the opportunity to talk to you again. It's been great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, Smithy. Have a good day. Yeah, same to you. Maya Jackman there, folks. Uh, very, very uh, famous New Zealand footballer. I think one of our very best that has played her trade around the world as well uh, with her thoughts uh, too on um, you know where the football ferns are at. Uh, I, that's what I look for tonight. Anyway, in summary, um, I'm, I'm not that worried whether we lose. Uh, I'd love to see us win, uh, but a, a, a draw or a a narrow loss, but us going forward, us attacking, us creating opportunities, putting the Australian defence under pressure, which we didn't see often enough the other night. I think that's a pathway forward. Uh, that's just me looking on um, from my little studio here in Hawke's Bay, and I shall be watching tonight from my TV in Hawke's Bay as well. It is 11.18 here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly. That's right. Uh, Producer Logan back in the house. Smithy, I have to say, before we get to Around the World, big shout out to Joe Bell and also Ricardo Ball for helping me out while uh, I was off. And uh, thank you for taking good care of them. 
Yeah, no, they'll be back. They got good treatment. They got uh, kid glove treatment, so they'll be back, mate. Um, honestly, yeah, some great headlines around the world. We've been sort of clouded by what's happening within New Zealand, which isn't a bad thing, but what have you noticed from around the world, mate? No, that is very true. Massive day, obviously, uh, in New Zealand yesterday, and that will no likely continue. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about the Lakers firing their coach. I mean, <laughs> we probably the writing was on the wall there a little bit, wasn't it, after their disastrous season? Uh, they did win the 2020 NBA championship under Vogel, but, you know, they entered the season, this season as the Western Conference fa- uh, favourite. They failed to live up to that mantle due to a combination of injuries, age, a poorly built roster and mismanagement of said roster, which perhaps, I mean, in my opinion, Smithy, I think that also then falls on the general manager of the team. It's not just on the coach. The general manager is the person that yeah. builds that roster. Um, so perhaps there may be more to come. Uh, from the Lakers, but now with Vogel gone, he could become one of the most pursued coaches on the market. Uh, in three NBA stops, he's won a championship, reached the conference finals three times, and won just under 53% of his regular season games. Uh, meanwhile, the Lakers are now on the search for their sixth full-time head coach since the legendary Phil Jackson retired in 2011. So, bit of a change, bit of a shift in uh, Laker town, Smithy. But that's not the only NBA news of interest here. Uh, when we talk about vaccinations and eligibility to play, Matisse Thiebel, uh, if you follow the Australian Boomers, he played for Australia in the Tokyo uh, Olympics. He uh, He's going to have to take a back seat, take a breath and uh, think about what he's done because unfortunately he is not fully vaccinated and under Canada's uh, rules in that regard, he is not allowed to enter the country and professional athletes are no longer exempt. Uh, so he said he did feel the need to get one shot at an unspecified point last year's postseason, played there in May and June, but did not receive a second shot. Uh, Matisse Leibel's absence, Smithy, uh, does give veteran Danny Green an increased role, but will likely weaken what is an already thin bench. Uh, with uh, NBA scoring champion Joel Embiid and James Harden expected to lead the way, but the Raptors won their season series against Philly 3-1. So uh, think of that what you will at the TAB, but perhaps you may want to put some money on the Raptors and not Philadelphia. No, exactly right. Um, that's... Uh that is incre- incredible, really, when you're you know, going back to Frank Vogel and then that record that he had not being able to gel just shows you what egos can do uh, in that kind of situation. So, um, you know, even with the great LeBron, and there was supposed to be an announcement. I, I haven't seen anything. ESPN were trailering an announcement from LeBron himself uh, this morning, and sometimes you look at that and you think he's going somewhere or he's giving up or something's happening in, in his life that's going to make the world all interested. Um, but nothing, nothing has come to pass in that that I've seen anyway. No, uh, no, this morning, been, Logan. But yeah, I've been uh, keeping on the hunt on that regard for you since you uh, flagged that with me. Uh, nothing as yet on LeBron. Perhaps we may get a uh, an Aaron Rodgers situation or a Tom Brady situation. We don't know. But under the NBA's collective bargaining agreement, they can't actually talk contracts yet. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, one one thing, obviously, uh, the the NBL season, Major League Baseball has started and I wanted to play a clip for you Smithy because obviously the Wellington Phoenix are coming home the New Zealand Warriors are coming home and I just want people to remember what it sounds like when you have a packed stadium I'll give you context in a second driven to right field it's deep it's gone
just oh the roar of the crowd smithy i love that mm. that was toronto's roger center that was the toronto blue jays uh hernandez Tiasco hernandez smashing a home run there uh Canada kind of been a bit like us in New Zealand. Uh, the Blue Jays are Canada's team, the only uh, Canadian team in, in the American League there. And that was the first time that they were able to have fans without restrictions. And they packed out the place, 45,000. Uh, that was probably my favorite thing of the weekend in terms of sports. So that's just something for Phoenix fans and Warriors fans to look forward to. Well, they can do that at Sky Stadium because, uh, of course, they've got the cruise liners uh, and all the big boats that park next to uh, the stadium there, so they can they can formulate that big foghorn noise that you just heard in the background. They can do that. Um, they can uh, get the crowd noise because when it's rocking, uh, Sky Stadium really does go off, and it's a great noise and atmosphere there. Um, and of course, all they need really is for uh, perhaps the Hurricanes to kick for goal next time round, Geordie Barrett to knock it over, and the crowd will go nuts just like that. Simple way. Eh? Just it's a really easy formula, and I don't know why promoters don't get more sensible about the whole deal. You've got the ship, you've got the crowd, you've got the right decision being made, you've got the kick going over. Party time, party time. Cash in time here uh, on SENZ in the mornings because it's uh, that time when you can uh, win some vouchers uh, and uh, that from the TAB, and of course you can win some sleep drops as well. So. Uh, 0800-150-811 is our phone number. 0800-150-811 is the phone number. Uh, please get on the line, try your luck this morning, uh, and then uh, we shall uh, get into our Crusaders, our favourite four Crusaders, in the next half hour as well. Meanwhile, it's a very busy Ottawa with the news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Legend in the game, Smithy, and I hear you got a stumping yesterday. And to be fair, the, the brave man that took you on in cricket, I oh, time for stump. Sorry, guys, had my mic down there. Rookie mistake, been off two days, and wow, well, there you go. Anyway, Smithy, I hear you got a stump yesterday, mate. We jackpot up to a hundred dollars. Yep, uh, it's just uh, I'm pretty good form. In fact, I've got a good feeling in this week because um, it's only a four day week as such, so we've uh, got an opportunity to get up to 200 bucks. And uh, I, I'm pretty confident about that. However, we have some candidates on the line this morning to uh, put that wrong. We sure do. We'll see if the how brave they are and, and how we go. But after that jackpot, $100 TAB uh, bonus speed up for grabs, plus some sleep drops daytime revive. Try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping tra- uh, challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. Sleepdrops.co.nz. Joining us at the crease is John from Christchurch. Come in, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, g'day fellas, how are you doing today? Great. Great to be back in the seat. Uh, first of all, of course, you probably know how the game works there, John, but for any new listeners, we have three sporting categories to choose from today. Answer all three questions correctly and you win it all, but get a question wrong, it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out on those first two questions and we move on to the next caller in line. Get out on the final question and we jackpot again tomorrow. Imagine one one fifty. Bam, that'll be massive. All right, John, for you, today's topics are the Masters, Supercars, and Baseball. Take your pick. Oh let's go supercars. All right, supercars. Let's go. I love this, mate. You're coming in hot with a bit of chirping. 
Good luck to you, John. <laughs> Good luck to you. Okay. Little shout out here. My wife actually prepared these questions for me. Shout out, Sarah. Okay. The late great Peter Brock is the undisputed king of Mount Panorama. John, how many times did he win Bathurst? Oh, I'm going to say 11. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, Smithy. Oh, well, John, I think it's Peter Perfect, so the perfect dozen for me, 12. One of the worst things I have ever seen <laughs> done on a cricket field. That would be great if like you <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you are cheeky today, John. I love it. Uh, the actual answer is nine, so you're still alive, John. Peter Brock won nine oh, times on the mountain. Oh, That's all right, mate. Sticking with Bathurst, though. Uh, in what? It opened in Easter, but in what year? When did it officially open? What year? Uh, 49, 1949. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Hmm. I want to say, you're, you're a little hot, but not quite hot there. Smithy, over to you. Uh, I'm going to say 1953. One of the worst things I have ever seen uh, done ah. on a cricket field. <laughs> 1938. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's pre-war, for God. That's pre-war. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody pre-war, for God's sake. I know. It's crazy to think, eh? That's all right. Well, look what they used to write back then. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right. But hey, John, mate, you're still alive, still up for grabs, $100 TRB bonus bet, and the sleeve drops. Last question. The supercar records uh, list is filled with Kiwis, of course, like Scott McLaughlin and uh, Craig Lowndes, Aussies like Jamie Winkup. Who was the lone Canadian driver featured on the Bathurst winners list? Pasquale. Sorry, can you say that again? Anton Pasquale. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, the lone Canadian driver to win at Bathurst. Who is it? Uh, oh, God, let me think about this. Oh, look, I don't know, um, really. Um, I, I've got... I've got no idea, to be to be perfectly honest. Uh, I'm thinking of French names, Canadian names in there. I mean, uh, I, I, I honestly, uh, are we talking French-born here or French-nationalised or what are we, uh, Canadian-nationalised or what are we talking here? We're talking full-on born in Saskatoon, so he's got a probably hefty accent there, not French. Okay. Nah, I can't give it to you, I'm afraid. I can only think it's um, a guy that we associate with being an Australian, someone like, um, oh, look, I, I, I can't even think about that. Scaife or someone like that, who's, they're the, the names I'm thinking of, uh, who we've always associated with really being just a, a, a dinky die Aussie, but there you go. You, you're so close, Smithy. Your you're, uh, you're thinking, your logic there is right on point. It is the Canadian-Australian driver, Alan Moffat. That is correct. Oh, right. oh God. Good work. Uh, to, hell with you, to, hell, to hell with you, John. You've won, <laughs> damn you. Stay on the line. Reverse psychology. Just, 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 just yeah, yeah, good on you, boy. I'll be, I'll, be down your, I'll be down your neck of the woods on Friday, but it's been good Friday. Of course, you can't even shout me a beer, so just enjoy oh, it, will you? Just enjoy it. Yeah, will do. Thanks, Phil. Stay on the line and uh, stay on the line, John, and uh, Brian, Brian will get your details, mate. It's eleven thirty-eight when we come back here.
uh, gee, uh, we've got to rush through it too. Um, we've got a subject to get into, and that is uh, our favourite four Crusaders. That's coming up next. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, that is the music that uh, signifies that it's time uh, being Tuesday at this hour uh, for our Mount Rushmore. And today it is, uh, to end the set on Super Teams, it is uh, really now time for the Crusaders. So, uh, Logan, I've given you, uh, you won the toss, you can go first. And I, I know we actually sort of debated whether we do Crusaders or not just to poke fun because they win everything. But hey, here we are. Uh, my four... I've. A lot of mine are, mis- are nostalgic. I will give you that. Uh, we mentioned him last week when we talked about the Highlanders, uh, Mount Rushmore, and how he might knock on your door. This is mine, Justin Marshall. Let's hope it doesn't affect today's match. Here's Ron Tripp getting a chance to stretch his legs. Now Marshall into the gap. He's got players in support. He may not need them. Justin Marshall. What a terrific try. Welcome back to the All Blacks. Was that was yes him yeah. scoring a try for the All Blacks, but uh, when I think Crusaders great halfbacks, I can't go past Justin Marshall Smithy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he'd be happy with that, and uh, ironically, uh, now alongside Grant Nisbet, who called that action in the commentary box. So there you go, how uh, things and pan- things like careers etc. pan out for you. Well, mine uh, is one of my favourite Crusaders actually. Um, he just was the meat and drink of the back line for so long, and he actually was for the All Blacks from time to time as well. Uh, I can't go past this guy, so I'll just let you play the tape, and uh, it'll take over for itself. And the Crusaders have it now, and away it goes to Carter Crotty! He had, he had one heck of a season, a lot of seasons, uh, TJ, didn't he? So Tony Johnson with the cool year, but absolutely Ryan Crotty, first pick for me in a back line. Uh, my second one, Smithy, I, I'll admit, I did not have this man at first. I had Sam Whitelock. Uh, I believe you have an interesting little stat to come in shortly on the Whitelocks. Uh, but really, Crusaders, Mount Rushmore, you can't go past this man. Will be replaced shortly. Penalty coming. In low they go. That's McCaw. It is Richie McCaw. Richie McCaw. I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I've got yeah. a soft spot for the man. Yeah, I, I just want to associate Richie McCaw as uh, all black, actually, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, that, that's where I come from with Richie McCaw, but he's not in my top four, so yeah. Uh, Get your texts and letters coming in and address them to uh, Logan Swinkles. That'll be cool. My number three out here uh, played 200 games, 202 games for the Crusaders. He was just a complete and utter Iron Man. Thoroughly decent bloke. Couldn't go past him. Had to be in there. Gilford away to Williams. Offloading the tackle beautifully. Maitland. He's got runners left and right. Reed inside the Crockett. What a try! Wyatt Crockett, 
out of Golden Bay, out of Nelson, wherever you like. Wyatt Crockett always fronting up. 202 games, got to be in the top four. Yeah, how good. I mean, like as you said, Ironman Streak is just an outstanding individual. Uh, staying with the nostalgia for me, in terms of uh, number 10s, it's, it's really hard to pick. There's two, and I mean, the first one, I think of my childhood, Smithy, I looked up to this player. He made me want to be a first 5'8", even though I never had the build for it. I love to kick a ball around, never had the build for it. Uh, it is, of course, Andrew Mertens. Late back again for Flynn. Mertens with a drop kick. And the first points registered by Andrew Mertens. This could turn out to be one of the great games of footy. Mertens with another drop kick. He's got it. Somehow he's channeled a back. Mertens looking for a third one. Has he got it? You betcha. Yep, Andrew Mertens. Love to drop goal three in that game there. I uh, just and uh, he's an amazing, amazing career. Of course, you know he, play, he played in New Zealand, he played in Europe, but then he's made a name for himself over in Australia as well. Uh, Post career, doing rugby with uh, Stan Sport and the likes, he's doing great things over there, Smithy. Uh, not the reason why he's on my Mount Rushmore, but I just always really looked up to Andrew Mudens when I was a kid. Yeah, agree with that. Right, my uh, number two, um, ah. Just amazing player. I mean, Mertz has been fantastic. You could have had him there. If you're going away on a bus trip or a roadie, uh, Mertz has to be in. Uh, Dan Carter has to be in as well. Um, quite clearly my number two for obvious reasons. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> that is unbelievable. That's a boomerang. He drilled that so low, it was about 10 metres to the right of the right upright, and she just bent it in. And it was, a, it was an in-swinger. No, it was an out-swinger. One of the two. <laughs> One of the two, Smithy. <laughs> I think it was Stu Wilson, actually, there, going way back. So, uh, yeah, um, with commentary next to Grantness. But So that was my number two. Your number one? Is well, my number one is is DC ten. Uh, you can't really go past him there. I mean, that kick of uh, two thousand and seven uh, against the Highlanders, you could hear it there. Just it left everyone speechless. They cut to the bench. Everyone is gobsmacked. Uh, he was just a legend of the game. He really pulled things out of the hat from time to time. Uh, but Smithy, before we get to your number one, you had a really awesome stat about the White Locks that I want you to share. Yeah, well, I could have put Sam Whitelock in, and perhaps uh, one of us, uh, I really should have, uh, 166 games. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think if you're really going to look to uh, anyone in particular, should look to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Whitelock. Uh, that's Braden and Caroline Whitelock, because they gifted the Crusaders four, four super rugby players, Sam, George, Adam, and Luke. Uh, of course, three of them became All Blacks, but between them they played 358 games, the Whitelock family. So really, uh, I would imagine that if you're really going to the nitty-gritty, Braden and Caroline Whitelock should be in your mix. Could also have had uh, Owen Franks, 152 games. Who could have been playing for the Hurricanes this year, barring injury. How about Kieran Reid? Never even talking about Kieran Reid, 156 games. Uh, Todd Blackadder, inspirational, 171 games. Caleb Ralph, well over 100 games. So there's a number of players that you could have introduced there. But for overall influence, overall influence on the Crusaders setup in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, had to go for this bloke. And here he goes, mate. Hot dog here in the he air. Here he goes. Oh, 
The good news for Razor here is they're playing Celebrate, which is more a song from his era. He's putting in some new moves here too, isn't it? I guess all we can hope is he does a backspin long enough in the middle to dig himself a big old hole. Oh, that's an old move though. We've seen that before, but... Oh, there we go, there we go. Oh, this is great. You know, and I reckon the crowd have stayed here specifically Mills to see this. Oh, look at this. Oh, wait. It's a great testament to the advancements in medicine and the treatment of arthritis, I reckon. That's superb. And he celebrates in style, and he deservedly so. Razor in his breakdance right. Smithy. How good. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, one of the highlights, wasn't it? Sort of a ritual. He didn't do it one year out of respect. I think it was to a COVID situation. Uh, and the other thing uh, that he did, I think, uh, which didn't go down too well, I'm pretty sure one year he, he took the Crusaders out, flag out and stuck it in the, in the middle of Sky Stadium. Um, I'm not sure what it was called back in those days, but uh, I don't sure think that went down too well. But Razor is Razor. Uh, you know what you've got with Razor, and uh, we know we're probably going to get at some point as well uh, for New Zealand rugby. So they were the uh, top four of each of us, but you could have put so many in. You know why? Because it's so damn good. I'll tell you who else is good. Staffy. We'll be with him shortly before midday. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.